Lisa Nowak. She was a, an aeronautical engineer, a decorated US Navy captain, and a NASA astronaut. In 2006, she flew in space on board the Space Shuttle Discovery when she was responsible for operating the robotic arms of the shuttle and the International Space Station. But just seven months later, her remarkable accomplishments and her impressive career were all in tatters when she was arrested for attempted murder. She had packed her car with a variety of different weapons as well as a disguise and drove non-stop nearly a thousand miles to attack another woman in an airport car park. So why did this remarkable woman throw away her life like that? Well, it was because of jealousy. She was jealous of this woman's relationship with a man that she had previously had an affair with. Jealousy is such a destructive emotion in our lives. It's closely related to envy. Now, some people distinguish between those by saying that jealousy is the fear of losing something that you really value and envy is the anger we feel when somebody else is enjoying something that you really want. So some people distinguish between those two, but often both are present at the same time. And often those words are used interchangeably, even in Bible translations, different Bible translations. One, one version might see it mentions the word jealousy, and another translation it might use the word envy. But wherever it's present, whether it's jealousy or envy, it always causes so much suffering. In fact, it is claimed that jealousy is the leading cause of spousal murder when one spouse murders the other in the world. But even when it doesn't get to that level, it still causes so much hurt. It ruins friendships. It destroys families. It divides communities and it even splits churches. If you remember eh, back last year when we were looking at the church in Corinth, jealousy was one of the reasons for the conflict in that church. And James says, where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. (coughs) Excuse me. But jealousy doesn't just hurt the other person. Jealousy also destroys those who succumb to it. It's self-destructive in our lives. It messes up our hearts. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. So how can we overcome jealousy? How can we stand up and face the giant of jealousy and prevent it from messing up our lives? Well, this morning we're going to look again at the life of David in the Old Testament. And we're going to read from 1 Samuel chapter 18. And we're going to read from verse 1 down to verse 16. And Lorraine's going to come up and she's going to read it to us. Thank you, Lorraine.
As soon as he'd finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that that was on him and gave it to David, and his armor and his sword and his bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him, and that Saul set him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. As they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistine, the women came out of their, all their cities of Israel, singing and dancing, to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy and with musical instruments. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated. Saul had struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very angry and this saying displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David ten thousand and to me they have ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. The next day a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul and he raved within his house while David was still playing the lyre, as he did day by day. Saul had his spear in his hand, and Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall, but David evaded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him and had departed from Saul. So Saul removed him from his presence and made him a commander of a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David had success in all his undertakings, for the Lord was with him. And when Saul saw that he had great success, He stood in fearful awe of him, but all Israel and Judah loved David, and he went out and came in before them. Thank you very much, Lorraine. Everything had been going really well for David. He'd been anointed as the next king of Israel. He'd been enlisted as a musician in the king's service. And as we saw last week, he defeated Goliath, that massive Philistine soldier. And because of this, from that day, Saul kept David with him. Instead of David going back and forward from serving in the king's service and then going back to his shepherd uh, job, looking after his dad's flock, David stayed full time with the king. And David continued to be successful. We read in verse 5 that whatever Saul sent him to do, David did it so successfully that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. And this rapid promotion was really well received in the nation. Everyone was pleased to see David, their champion, rise to the top. Everyone, that is, except Saul. When soldiers returned from victorious battles, often people would, often the women would run out to meet them and celebrate their victory with singing and dancing. But this time they sang this song. Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. There was supposed to be a celebration. But this song really angered Saul. Look at what he said in verse 8. 
how he saw it as a personal insult. They have credited David with tens of thousands, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? Saul was so, so upset because he was afraid. Afraid of losing his popularity. Afraid of losing his position. When Saul had been chosen to be the king, right at the start, he was so overwhelmed with the thought of being Israel's leader that he was hiding. He ran from it. They found him hiding in the baggage because he, was, he thought, that can't be me. I can't do that job. But being king had changed him. He seemingly had got used to the acclaim and the honour. And now? Well, now he didn't want to share it with anyone. This is what Proverbs 27 and verse 12 say, 21 says. The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold. But man is tested by the praise he receives. Crucible for silver, furnace for gold, but man is tested by the praise he receives. Applause and admiration is like a furnace in our lives. It brings to the surface what we're really made of. It reveals what's really in our heart. And for Saul... That was pride. And this pride allowed jealousy to take root in his heart. And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. And as a result, the next day, Saul tried to kill David twice with a javelin or a spear. And from then on, he conspired to try to kill David again and again with any means he could. Saul's pride led to jealousy, which led to disaster. David, he also faced a similar kind of challenge. Because as you remember me a couple of weeks ago, David also was chosen to be the king. And he also quickly shot to fame, as we saw last week when he killed Goliath. And he presumably heard the same praise. And yet the praise that brought the dross to, up to the, the surface from Saul's heart and revealed his pride revealed a completely different attitude in David's heart. So the next day, when Saul had this troubled spirit, was troubled by this evil spirit, it says in verse 10, David was playing the harp as he usually did as he usually did. He was a champion of Israel. He was the defeater of Goliath. He was the, 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 the one that all the women in the, in the nation were singing about. He was now a high-ranking officer. But he didn't think of himself as too important. That he couldn't play his harp to soothe his king's troubled spirit. Seems that David wasn't listening to the praise 
like Saul was. He didn't believe it. He still had a very clear understanding of who he is, who he was. And he was responding in humility. I think that can be seen when he was, when, when he w- it was talked about, it was suggested that he marry Saul's oldest daughter, a woman called Mirab. This was another one of Saul's schemes. He thought that if he, if he married David off into the family, then David would have to go out and fight all those battles and he would eventually get killed. Nice reason to choose a son-in-law. But David said this, verse 18. Who am I and what is my family or my father's clan in Israel that I should become the king's son-in-law? See the humility there? Actually, marrying the the king's daughter was his prize. It was supposed to be his reward for, for defeating Goliath. But in humility, David did not grasp that right. His victories hadn't gone to his head. When he looked in the mirror, he didn't see himself as a champion, as a hero. And maybe that was because he really knew who'd given him, given him, given him the victory in the first place. Remember when he went out to, visit, to, to, to face Goliath, he said in verse 47, The battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. So David had an accurate knowledge of who he was. He knew that all that he had accomplished and all that he had were gifts from God. As as it says in verse 14, in everything he did he had great success because, because he was a great guy. Because he had all the wisdom and, and strength that he needed. Because he was just the best man in the the nation. Because he was better than everybody else. Doesn't say that, does it? Why did he have success? Because the Lord was with him. Because God was with him. His victories were actually God's victories. And so all the praise should go to God. And not to him. If we are going to overcome this giant of jealousy in our lives, we need the humility to see ourselves as we really are. We need to recognize that everything that we have and everything that we've done, everything that we've been able to accomplish, every success in our lives, every good thing in us is from the Lord. We need to be able to say, along with Paul, that by the grace of God, I am what I am. To see that everything that we are and have is a gift from God. A gift that we didn't earn, that we didn't deserve, that we didn't work for, but was a gracious gift of God's love into our life. And that's why we need to keep coming back to the foot of the cross. 
as we're going to do in a, in a few minutes when we take communion together. Because at the foot of the cross of Jesus, we see ourselves as we really are. We see that in of ourselves, we are guilty sinners who deserve nothing more than a lost eternity in hell. And yet, if we have trusted in Jesus, if we have put our faith in Jesus as the forgiver of our sins and the saviour of our lives, then we can see at the foot of the cross that we are unconditionally loved. That we've been chosen from before the creation of the world. That we've been wonderfully accepted. We've been completely forgiven. We have been amazingly redeemed. And that we're now dressed in the righteousness of Christ. At the foot of the cross, we see ourselves as a child of God. Amazed by God's grace. And so at the foot of the cross, there's no place, no room for jealousy in our hearts. We cannot stand and look into the face of our Saviour and be jealous of anybody else. Saul, he was defeated by jealousy because of his pride. But secondly, it was also because of his selfishness. Look at verse 15 in our passage. It says this, When Saul saw how successful he was, he was afraid of him. See that? Saul saw the success of David and he was afraid. Saul was afraid because all he saw was how David's actions affected him. He didn't see these victories that David gave to the nation of Israel. He didn't see how David's leadership was actually saving the lives of his soldiers. He only saw David through jealous eyes as a threat to his position. Saul was so completely wrapped up in himself that everything was measured by how it would impact him. He was self-obsessed. And that's how jealousy distorts our our perspective. We see other people's fortunes as our misfortune. Their profit as our loss. Their health as our illness. Their success as our failure. But David was completely different. He was focused on others. I think this is most clearly seen in the relationship between him and Jonathan. Jonathan was the the king's son, was Saul's eldest son. And so, humanly speaking, Jonathan and David should have been bitter rivals. Jonathan, the heir to the throne. David, that kind of young upstart from Bethlehem. But instead of rivalry and distrust, There was respect, there was honour, there was love 
Look at verse 1 in our reading. Jonathan became one in spirit with David and he loved him as himself. Their friendship was severely tested in the, in the years following. And yet their friendship survived because it wasn't driven by self-interest. Rather, it was driven by real, sacrificial, selfless love. And this brotherhood was cemented in a covenant and have sealed Beth a gift from Jonathan to David. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and, and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow and his belt. This is verse 4. It was such a great mark of respect to receive these gifts from a prince. But in a way it also pictured and anticipated what was going to happen later. As Jonathan virtually gave up his right to the throne in preference for his friend, David. And we too have received such an amazing gift of selfless, sacrificial love, haven't we? This is what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Jesus went to the cross and laid aside his majesty and the wealth that rightfully was his and entered into our poverty so that we could enter into his wealth and become children of God. And it's this unselfish love of Christ they can change our selfish and self-centered hearts and set us free from that trap of jealousy. Because when you think of it, we live in such a selfish and self-centered world, don't we? I saw, we saw this again last weekend with the lotto. We live in a world of so much need, in a country with so much need, and yet, last weekend, somebody was given the, the biggest ever jackpot in Ireland, 19 million euro. Why were they given that? Well, because for weeks and weeks and weeks before, loads, loads and loads of people had been paying their money to try and win somebody else's money. Hadn't they? Because that's what the lot is about. It's about getting other people's money. So this person received money from millions of people. And they've all got it. That's Apple, that person's got it. And all these people lose. And that's the basis of that game. But if we are going to defeat the giant of jealousy in our lives, we need to live with a different focus with a different desire, a different ambition. We need to, as Paul says in Philippians 2 and 4, look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. 
We are called to care for other people, not compete with them. To encourage others, not criticize them. To build each other up, not tear each other down. To rejoice in the success of others, not resent it. We are called to love like Jesus loves. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. It says in 1 John 3.16 And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. That's what we're called to. But how can we get to that point? Well, we need our hard and selfish hearts to be transformed by the love of Christ. We can't just do this in of ourselves. We don't have that love. We don't have that kind of selfless, sacrificial attitude towards others. We need our hearts melted, transformed by the selfless, sacrificial love of Christ. So it's through the the work of the Spirit that we can grow in our understanding of, our experience of, our appreciation of the love of Christ. And it's through that that our hearts are melted and will overflow with the selfless love of Christ. So this is Paul's, Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesus. He says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high And deep is the love of Christ. To know this love that surpasses knowledge. It's the more we grow in the love of Christ that we will be able to express that love to others. So Paul was jealous because of his pride, because of his selfishness. And because of this, he was willing to use other people to further his own plans. Saul's oldest daughter, Mirab, was married off to somebody else. But his daughter, Michal, was in love with David. And so Saul decided to use that for his advantage. He got his attendance to convince David to marry this girl. But David couldn't afford the dowry gift, which was the traditional thing that you gave to the, to the, to the father when you married a, a daughter. I'm, sure, I'm glad that you didn't have to do that these days. I never afford that. So instead of waiving this payment, Saul set a price. A price on his daughter. A price of a hundred Philistines. The death of a hundred enemy soldiers. He thought that this would lead to David's demise. This was his plan. Saul's plan was to have David fall by the hands of the Philistines. He thought that in order to try and get that dowry price, he would get killed. Now his plan failed. Because David, in God's strength, actually doubled the price. He killed 200 Philistine soldiers. He ended up marrying this girl. 
But when you think of it, it's so tragic, isn't it? That the leader of God's people, the one who was supposed to serve his nation by leading them and protecting them and guiding them, he would strip so low as to use his daughter to get rid of a rival. And yet this is what happens when people succumb to the giant of jealousy. Manipulation, lies, gossip, criticism, character assassination, flattery. All of those are acceptable if our aim is to serve ourselves. But all this time, David acted differently. All this time David continued to serve in the army. He kept going out to put his life on the line to serve his king and his people. I think he could have easily have packed it all in. He said, look, I'm not appreciated here. I do everything right and all I do is get attacked. Saul's not worthy of my service. I'm off. That would be natural for him to do that. But he didn't. David continued to do what he was called to do. Yes, he was the anointed leader of his people, but that job was the job to serve his people, not to be served. And David refused to allow other people to deflect him from God's call in his life. And that's what we need to do. Even if we're not, we're, we are unappreciated, even when don't, people don't say thanks, even when people criticize us, condemn us, ridicule us, attack us, we are called to serve one another in love. Why are we called to do that? Why are we as God's people called to serve with our lives in love? Well, because that's what Jesus did. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve his people, even although they, don't, they didn't deserve it. And they didn't appreciate it. And we too are called to have that same servant attitude. Not jealously guarding our own rights, our own privileges, our, our own position, but in love, doing what was better for other people. Serving other people, even at great cost ourselves. So in jealousy, Saul tried to get rid of David. But it didn't work. And that was all because, verse 12, the Lord was with David, but had left Saul. And as a result of his sin and disobedience, the Holy Spirit had departed from Saul. Because Saul didn't repent. Instead, he continued to fight against David, against the one that God had chosen. So really, Saul was not fighting David. Saul was fighting God. He was doing what we saw Goliath and the Philistines were doing last week. 
when you fight against God's people, when you fight against what God wants, you're fighting against God himself. That's why he'd never succeed. But David could trust in God. He could rest in God's plan and purpose for him. So he didn't need to take matters into his own hands. He didn't need to scheme and connive and try and work out a way to to rise to the top. He could leave his future in God's hands. Listen to what he says in, in one of the Psalms that he wrote, Psalm 16. Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. God, you have sorted out my life. You're the one who's given me what I have. And it's you that secures it. And I rejoice in that. And that wasn't just, for David, that wasn't just for his life on earth. He was trusting in God's ultimate plan for his life. Because he goes on in that psalm in verse 11. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. With eternal pleasures. At your right hand. Saul was desperately working against God to try and get what he thought was the best. David could rest in God and trust that he had the best plan for his life. When we are jealous of what someone else has or how well they're getting on or their gifts or their success in ministry, we are rebelling against God's will for their lives and for ours. We're saying, God, you got it wrong. You shouldn't have been blessing that person. You should have been blessing me instead. So we're fighting against God's will. So if we're going to face the giant of jealousy in our lives, we need to submit to God's will. We need to accept that whatever He has planned for us, we need to be willing to trust in Jesus' plan for our lives, that it is good and it's pleasing it's perfect even if it involves a lot of difficulties and stress and struggles and battles we need to be willing to say like Jesus did in the garden of Gethsemane not my will but yours be done so this chapter ends with such a sad statement. Verse 29. Saul became still more afraid of him and he remained his enemy for the rest of his days. Saul's jealousy was self-destructive. The rest of his life was consumed by his jealousy and his hatred of David. What a sad, bitter end Saul had. And it wasn't just David. Saul that suffered. It hurt so many other people too as well. Michal's marriage to David was absolutely tragic. We'll see that later on. 
And Jonathan and others, they lost their lives because of Saul's jealousy. But David, he overcame that giant. His life was tough. But God was with him through it all. And God's promises were fulfilled in David's life without him having to grasp them and fight for them. So let's remember how to how we can face the giant of jealousy in our lives. Let's remember the amazing grace of Christ. That though he was rich, yet for our sakes became poor, so that we through his poverty might become rich. And let the grace of Christ transform our hearts, so that we love others with the love of Christ. And we serve others with the attitude of Christ. And we trust in Christ and submit to His plan for our lives.